0: Thanks, everybody. Um, so Usually when I do this, uh, like teach, there's not a band, uh, so that's a nice introduction. Nobody warms up for me, and usually I'm teaching undergraduates, so if I make any references to like, a coming exam, you'll have to forgive me, there will be no tests. Um, I mean, unless you want to test later, we can do a pop quiz at the end, anybody know? No, Tara's out. Tara says no, so we're not doing it. Um, well, it's fun to be with you today. Um, and I want to start off with a question, right? Because I think it's good, participation is good, you know, you've got some coffee in you, you've sung some songs, it's time to talk. Um, so how many of you come from somewhere else? Like you didn't grow up in Los Angeles, you were born and raised elsewhere. Obviously Chris and Nikki just told us that came from Ohio. Look at this, look at this, not from Los Angeles. Excellent, where are you from? Where else is anybody else from? Palm Springs. Springs. Texas. Texas. Missouri. Missouri. Hawaii. Hawaii. Anybody else? Minnesota. Minnesota. I heard a mm mmm in the back. New York. New York. Okay, good. And uh, when did you move to Los Angeles? Seven years ago. Seven years ago. ago. It's hard when it's like a mm -mm -mm. (laughs) mmm. Then 15 years ago. You can talk. It's okay. It's allowed. This is is actually a school. People talk here. 18 years ago, okay. And how many of you were born and raised in Los Angeles? Anybody? We've got one, we've got two, three. Okay, good. And did you ever live anywhere else? That's kind of a trick question because you already told me that you did. So I know the answer. Ingrid lives somewhere else, Eric lives somewhere else, great, and so where did you live? Illinois. Illinois. Vancouver. I was gonna say the land of Lincoln, but not Vancouver. <laughs> Ventura County. Ventura County, a great distance from here. He went real far, and then he came back. Great, well, um, my story is also when I'm a transplant here to Los Angeles. Uh, I moved here in 2003, I was 20 years old. Um, And to just give you a flavor, um, when I moved here in in 2000, the population of Los Angeles was 3.6 million people, right? It's now grown just a little bit, but LA County has a population of 10 million. And this is an order of magnitude larger than the city that I grew up in in Ohio or where I went to college. And so when I got here, it's a little disorienting to be in a big city, right? And so what are the consequences of coming from somewhere else to Los Angeles? It's still question and answer time, so you're not done yet. You still have to talk. Um, so for those of you who moved here, how many people did you know when you moved here? One. Two, was one of them Marin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, two people, not including each other. That's good, that's good. Who else? One, one person. Two. One, two. Couple, yeah, handful, not very many, right? I knew one person, right? So, um, and and were you close to those people? No, no. 10, you knew 10 people and you were best friends with all of them. Okay, it's like picturing like a caravan of people arriving in Los Angeles together, like the grapes of wrath. Great. Well, I, like I said, I knew one person, and so if you've ever moved away from home, right? even if you were born and raised here and you never left, moving to a new place can be a little disorienting. right? It's, it's hard, um, and, and it's not something that, even though we have all come from places and we all have experienced this, sometimes it's easy to think, well, we're the only people who, when we move, it's really hard and it's really disorienting, and no one's ever felt like this before. right? That's just not true. Um, and in fact, this process of coming to a new city, taking, putting down roots, trying to, to live and thrive in a new place isn't even unique to us, right? As much as we want to think of ourselves as unique in time and space and history. And so, because I'm an academic, you get to learn a little bit about trends in the early 20th century, right? Woo! I know. Who doesn't want to learn something at church? Whew, it's a tough crowd, guys. You're tough. Anyway, uh, so back in the early 20th century, sociologists have talked about three major trends that helped shape and form the society that we live in today. The first is urbanization, right? People come from other places and they move to cities, right? Because God invented cities, but people still had to come to them. So people are moving to cities, they're leaving their friends, they're leaving their close families, coming to the city, why? Because there's jobs here, right? This trend is matched by this idea of industrialization. We've got factories, we've got mass production, we have a whole new system of working and living, right? and it changed the way that people related to each other and to their work. The third trend that happened at the same time is this idea of modernization, right? This rapid pace of innovation, of social change, of inventions like central heat, cars, refrigeration, all the things that make life great. Um, And importantly, these innovations didn't just change how people related to tasks that they faced, they changed the very nature of their lives. Scheduling became important, the way people thought about time changed, right? And these trends, while they're interesting on their own, you're probably wondering why we're talking about them, they actually change the way that people related to each other. And sociologists have argued um, that that the, the move, particularly moving from places where you had close-knit, tight relationships with family and kin to uh, uh, apartment buildings, to homes in cities where you didn't know anyone, right, where they might not speak your language or you had no previous, previous relationship, would actually change how people formed and developed social bonds. At the same time, as forces of work changed, people became commodified, right? So their labor took on new meaning, it was valued in different ways, they were interchangeable, just hands on a factory line, right? Moving in and out. Changes the way that people relate to their work. And relationships became about the nature of work rather than the nature of family or, or kinship. And the result of these things, sociologists have argued, is the deterioration of strong social bonds. People feel anonymous, they don't have close relationships, and eventually the values that were passed through or held by different communities started to fall away. Right, and so maybe this fuels a range of other behaviors. Some have argued that it fuels criminality, maybe consumption behaviors, right? It just changes the nature of the values that govern people's lives. Those things that they were that people held or did or didn't do because of the tight social communities they were in those changed, the nature of it changed. And no matter how far we think we've come, no matter how, how separate we feel from these trends that shape society, they're still prevalent today, right? I mean, when we think about modernization, we live at a time of rapid technological innovation. I, for one, am just so blessed to know that I came to Los Angeles right at the, the dawn of the cupcake ATM, like back 20 years, I don't know if you remember this, right? Talk about social change. Um, but other, other factors are still in play, and, it, and we don't need to look any further than a couple of headlines that I pulled from the LA Times this month um, that show us that friendship and social connection in Los Angeles are still really tough, right? Literally this month, early, like within the last two weeks. Um, how do we find true friends? How do we find connectivity? Right? These things are still relevant. And, and maybe it seems like a stretch. Why are we talking about social connectivity? Um, but being connected to others in social relationships, they allow, it allows for us to share information. It's how we categorize ourselves. It's how we develop a social identity. All of these things are really important. And if we were in class together right now, I'd start talking to you about theories of mass communication and how the mass media might influence people in the absence of those close relationships. But we're not going to do that because we're a church. We're talking about something else. Instead, I want to think about how starting over in Los Angeles, coming to a city like Los Angeles, Uh, might influence us. And specifically, I want to think and talk about the impact of feeling anonymous in Los Angeles, what steps we might take to form our identity here, and then ultimately where our identity should really come from. And so what does Los Angeles tell us about our identity? So in this talk for the next, you know, three hours or so, right? Like we have lots of time together. I have 12 different points. Um, No, not really. Be quick. Um, I want to talk about some of the things that have shaped how I've experienced Los Angeles. Maybe how you've experienced Los Angeles, right? But there's other factors that could be in play. So we're not even going to get into how our our personal identity might be shaped or formed by the city that we live in, right? How our, our our gender or our racial or ethnic background, our class, our family, the expectations that people have on us, how all of those things might shape how we see ourselves and navigate the city. We're gonna talk about some pretty general concepts. You might not agree with me, that's great, you can tell me later, Um, but we're gonna talk about some of these things. So the first thing that I have experienced that Los Angeles has told me about our identity is that it really can prey on our insecurities, right? When I came to Los Angeles, like I said, I was 20 years old. I didn't really know who I was. Can you really know who you are at 20? I don't think so. It's pretty hard. Um, And so I felt like I was supposed to move here, I was supposed to come here. I did, um, but at the same time, I was (laughs) terrified, right? Like, it's a big city, I'm all alone, and at the same time, I was very much certain that I didn't want anyone to know just how terrified I was, right? So I had to to hide all the things that I was insecure about. And over the course of the first four years I lived in Los Angeles, um, it was sometimes really difficult to figure out who I was going to be here. Um, I was young, right, I was on my own, I was learning so much, I was in school, so much was happening. But I was also thrown really deep into a culture that took whatever insecurities that I had and it just cranked it up to about ten, right? So are you, like, at all concerned that you're not attractive? Well, guess what, LA is not the place for you, right? (laughs) Hello appearance culture, hello the most beautiful people in the world living in the city with you, right? Are you concerned that you're not intelligent? You're in grad school, like is it, you know, think you're pretty smart? Well, lots of top universities, friends who are literal rocket scientists, um, maybe, maybe that could play a role in how you feel about yourself. Maybe you're in the entertainment industry, right? And you think that you're talented and you've got something to say. Well, best of luck to you as you try to create in a city full of creators, right? And are you afraid that you're not financially secure in one of the most expensive cities in the country? Well, look around, there's people who are just your age, they have way more than you do, and they don't seem at all concerned about anything, right? It's great, it's just great. Everything was great. Um, But we all know these feelings, right? We've all had these feelings. Um, Los Angeles is a place that takes what what things look like as what they are, it matters, right? And so substance is often secondary. And it's taken me a long time, and I think as a woman in particular, it's taken a lot of time to understand this culture that we're surrounded by and to try to to break some of of those identity issues, right? It's taken a long time to realize that my identity isn't worn outside my body, it's not what I look like, um, and it's not, you know, lots of other things. And so one thing that I often talk about in classes is this idea of objectification. And while we can talk about sexual objectification, we're not going to do that because I think it's, it's actually broader than that in this city. Um, the idea of objectification, taking an outside observer's perspective on ourselves, on our bodies, can change the way we think, and change the way we, we take in information. But I would argue that we do this in a number of ways in Los Angeles. It's not just our bodies, right? It's our jobs, our careers, it's our choices, it's, it's the things that we own. We monitor them. We make sure that they're appropriate, that people will approve of them, right? That they, they look right to the city that we live in. And that can create a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety about our choices. And so I left Los Angeles in the middle of the 2000s, and I lived overseas for four years. And when I came back to Los Angeles in 2012, I was older, because that's how time works. <laughs> Um, I had a very different life experience, and I was trying to be in Los Angeles for like as little time as possible. Um, I figured that as soon as I finished my degree, like I was here for a reason, but I figured as soon as I I finished my degree, I would, you know, bust it back to Ohio, I would work there, and I would hang out with my family, and it would be great. And so as you can see, because I'm standing in front of you today, that plan totally worked out. Um, No, I literally applied to other jobs, and I didn't get them, um, which is awful. I'm amazing. How did that not happen? Um, I never got those jobs. uh, And instead, I just kept getting more and more opportunities here. And so because the work brought me closer and closer to the entertainment industry, I learned some other things about Los Angeles that maybe I'd known but didn't quite fully embrace. LA, I don't know if you know this, it's all about ego and expectation, right? Um, This is a city that wants to define people based on what they've done. I don't know if you're aware of this. Right? But everybody asks you, what have you done? What are you working on? What did you just finish? What's next? Right? It's, it can feel like we not only have to justify our worth by discussing what we've done in the past, but we have to have something coming up. This happened to me this week. Tell me what you're working on. Like, oh my gosh, I'm working on a sermon. Leave me alone. <laughs> about this very thing. Um, and so think about it. Like We're all waiting for that next big thing. We're all working on that next big thing. Right? We even have a next like, big one that's coming in a natural disaster sense. Right? It's always something next. Right? And so when we think about these other three trends we talked about, it's this pace of social change, the availability of different options, they all contribute to the feeling of whatever's now is going to give way to whatever's next. We have to be ready for it and we have to put it forward. And it's easy to see how this can infiltrate our lives and how we see ourselves. Right? Do we feel that like, what we've done and who we are is enough? Or are we constantly trying to make sure that we can keep pace and keep up with other people around us? Our careers are moving forward at the right speed. We have the right relationships. We have the right stuff. We're making enough money. We're doing the right things. Our kids are good enough. I don't have kids, but I'm sure if you have kids, you think about this. And so the last piece of LA identity I have gleaned over the years, and I don't think this will surprise any of you, is that Los Angeles is afraid to commit. It is a city of people who like to keep our options open. Right, Uh, and if you want to think about it in line with those three trends, maybe our social bonds have deteriorated to such an extent that we are just not accountable to anybody for anything. Right? How many invitations or things have you gotten? You know, the opportunity to go to, and you said, "Well, will we go?" Like "Mm, maybe I don't know. We'll see what else is happening. Right? And then if you do decide to go, are you going to show up on time? Like no, of course not. (laughs) There was traffic even if there wasn't. Um, And so this can make us people and we can live in a place where our words hold little weight. right? And I've been thinking about this a lot personally. Like what do I say yes to and mean it when I say yes to? And what do I say no to when I really should be saying yes? When should I show up to things that I don't show up to? Who should I show up for? Um, When do I intend to follow through and when do I just say yes because it's easier to like get people off my back when they're asking me for something I don't really wanna do. This happens all the time. It happens all the time in entertainment, right? Let's have coffee, let's have a drink. It never, ha- but it never makes it on the calendar. It never gets scheduled. And so uh, it's made me think about, am I a person, right, whose word has little weight or has little value? Can I actually be trusted? And so these are the things that I think Los Angeles tells us. It's the messages that, that the city and the culture around us can send, and it can make it really easy to lose our identity and we might look in all sorts of places to figure out where it is, right? So back to question and answer. You've been quiet long enough. Where else would you look to figure out who you are? What are some places, or some places that you see other people looking to try to figure out who they are to have a sense of identity? Social media? media. Family? Family. Career? Dogs, always. I am a dog owner. I'm not, but people are like very much dog owners, which is fine. We like dogs. Cats. <laughs> There's lots of places to look, right? But where should we look instead? You all know the answer to this. This is why we're here. Church, church right? God. Woo, got it. Lupita got it. A plus. Gold star. Coming after church. Um, and so this is what Paul's writing to us in Colossians. We're finally going to talk about the Bible. It's only been 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> you were waiting. Chris was like, are you going to get to the passage? Put it on the slide for you. Uh, And so this is what Paul writes about in Colossians. He says, our lives and our identities, how we define ourselves, it's actually hidden with Christ, right? Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, Set your minds on things above. And he's he's inviting us to define ourselves not in terms of our relationships or our work or our appearance, our wealth, our health, any of these other things. He says, Paul tells us that our lives are actually not here at all. Like we live here, but this is not our life. Our life is hidden, right? It's not our own. It's been indelibly changed. And so this is a verse that for me, I've been drawn to a lot over the years, because the things that feel the most tangible in my life are the expectations of other people, the expectations I have of myself, the pressures that I feel like I'm facing, those things always feel a little more real. And it's always helpful to me to step back and remember that actually the the real life that I have, that I'm living, it's, it's not yet, it's hidden. There's more to come. And this verse tells us that our lives and our identities are actually formed and shaped through our faith, and through the work of Jesus, not by the things that we do and not by what the city tells us. And so who we are is both hidden, and it's yet to be revealed, and it's going to be revealed in glory, which is really exciting. Who doesn't want glory? Um, But what does this actually mean for us today? And so how then do we live, right? And so fortunately, Paul gives us a little bit of an instruction manual in the next verses. and he says, you know, well, you know, cut all this other stuff out of your life, right? Blah, 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 blah. Don't do the things you're not supposed to do. But the thing that I think is most interesting, he says, don't lie to each other. Stop lying, right? Like, I mean, it's good. We don't want to lie. But think about all the ways we lie to ourselves, right? And lie to each other, right? Are we really our authentic, imperfect, redeemed selves as we walk around the city that tells us what we look like matters, Right? that only wants to see what's on the surface. Are we actually showing the things that are hard, the things that are good, the real truths about ourselves? We need to stop lying to each other. We need to ask how we're doing. We need to listen to the answers. We need to let go of thinking about making sure people know all the things that we've done and all the things that we're going to do. And aren't we the best, right? And simply be who we are. Meet people where they are. Be in relationship that's based on value and self and not the things that we do outside. And lastly, let's stop lying. Let's just commit, right? Let's not flake. Let's say yes when we want to say yes and say no when we want to say no and make sure it's to the right things, right? Imagine how, how that would be. And I think ultimately, you know, this, this new self that Paul describes, I think it's so appropriate that it's about taking off the old and putting on the new in a city that's so much about appearance. Right? We are refusing to live in the trends of the moment. And instead, we're re- renewed in knowledge. We're constantly learning. We're constantly changing. We're constantly growing into the selves that we're supposed to be. We don't live by the distinctions that other people put on us. Instead, our identity in Christ is what defines us. And then I think that leads us to think about what it would look like as a community if we truly lived with the knowledge that our lives and our identities were in Christ. And so here's what I think. This is my opinion, I haven't run it by Chris, so maybe he disagrees, probably not. Let's find out. (laughs) I think our community would bring unlike people together in authentic relationships, right? There is no reason in this world that Ingrid and I would ever meet. We have different careers, we live in different neighborhoods, we have different friend groups, and yet here we are. I like Ingrid a lot, she's great, right? We all like Ingrid. But this, we wouldn't meet except for this community. We wouldn't know each other right? And it gives us a chance to be an authentic and real community, bringing unlike people together. I think we would be a place where people can encounter true care and true support, right? I think that when we come in the doors here, we would be able to say, it's been a hard week. Some stuff has been going on. There's some things that are not great in my life, and it's hard, and I, you know, need to figure out what to do with it and you would be met by people who would say, I get it, let me help you. Let me listen to you. Let me be supportive in ways that you didn't know that you needed. And then later you can turn it back and be that person for them. And I personally think this would be transformative for our city. I think we would be a people who walk around not really caring what other people think about us. Not in like a, oh, I don't care. But like in a true deep sense of my identity is not what other people think of me. Right? My identity is solid, it's formed, there's a foundation that can't be shaken. I have something that other people will want. Right? I don't have momentary pleasure, I have enduring joy because of who I know that I am. I think that would be transformative for a city like Los Angeles. And I think we can be a people who don't conform to what the city asks for of us, but we can demonstrate these values and this care of people when we leave this place. And so I don't always get this right, right? Like, I'm up standing here like, oh, here's all the stuff, right? But like, I, you know, I'm just a person trying to get it right, trying to figure it out. Um, But this is what I hope that my life will reflect. Um, Because I continually have to come back to the truth that my real life is hidden. Like, all of the stuff that I'm negotiating and dealing with on a daily basis, I'm trying to do my best, but who I really am is still being formed, still, still being learned, still being renewed. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to live that in a way that, that isn't what the city tells me it should be, right? It's based on what, what Christ tells me I should be and who I already am. And so that's all I really have to say to you, but we're gonna bring the band back up. We're gonna sing another song. Um, and if there's anything about this time um, that, that has moved you to think about your own identity, to think about how you've been formed and shaped in ways that are good or maybe not so good um, by the city, by the friendships that you have, by the people in your life. You know, we want to pray for you. And we want to help you find that identity in Christ. Um, so if that's you and you feel like you want to take a short walk to this part of the room, we'll meet you here and we'll pray with you. You don't have to do it. You can do this in your seat too. But we'll pray for you. We'll invite the Spirit to come. And then we'll sing a song. So thank you.